Listen, guys, I want you all to help me out tonight, okay? There's little moving around as possible, and let's, let's pray together. Agree with me in prayer. Um, I want to make sure and get everything accomplished through this word that's God's will. So, Lord, we pray over this word tonight. We're asking you, Lord, that your hand of blessing settle upon it. We agree together. We bind anything of the enemy because the Bible says that Satan tries to send birds, that's demonic, to steal the seed away. And so, Lord, we bind up the demonic strategies against the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, we break its power, bind it, commit to clear out off this word and off this series. But we ask you, Lord, that your blessing settle upon this. There be such an awesome, strong anointing and a strong, powerful move of the Spirit of God during this word that everybody will give you their best, your full attention and get focused on you. Lord, anoint and touch our minds to be focused on what you're showing us and revealing to us. Anoint our eyes and ears that we have eyes and ears of the Spirit and help us by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to really be in tune with what you're speaking and to not be distracted by anything at all, whatever it is, even in our own minds, wondering minds. Help us, Lord, just to get focused as this is an important word tonight. And I ask you, Lord, that you will come speak through me and this will be as living seed sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, let there be a washing of the water of the word. Let there be a light shining and dispelling any darkness, lies, evils, and deception. But bring truth and revelation in your word. We thank you, Lord, for it. We bless you. Let it come. I just feel a burden about this. Lord, let this go forth in power and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. No hindrance, no delay, no distractions. Because Satan does not want this type of word going out and bearing fruit. Because it's not talked about in a lot of places. But we thank you, Lord. Help us just to get focused. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'm going to dive into this. So I'm going to ask everybody, please help me out tonight. And, uh, you know, just as you tune in and you're in agreement with me, let's believe God together. All right. So, Lord, we pray uh, tonight, Lord, as every person is going to be hearing this. Lord, let there be revelation. Amen. Let there be revelation truth. In Jesus' name. All right, so last week I talked about this. I'm just going to recap that we are living tabernacles, okay? We are the ones that are carrying God's presence and his power. And just like there was a physical tabernacle in the natural that had an outer court, a holy place, and a holy of holies, we are living tabernacles now that are carrying the presence of God, okay? And as I talked about this last week, the main thing I felt the Lord putting on my heart was that just as that physical tabernacle, you had to go past the outer court, past the holy place into the holy of holies, we have to learn how to get beyond our flesh and beyond our own human soul and really get in the spirit. And a lot of people don't understand this. Okay, is everybody hearing me? We've got to learn to get past our own human flesh We've got to learn to even get beyond our own human soul area and get in the spirit where it's spirit to spirit, where the Holy Spirit can give us revelation. And that's what I talked about last week as well. And also that we learn to um, not only walk in the spirit and to be carriers of his presence, but also that we're only passing through this life. And a lot of people get so focused on the here and the now 
And they're so focused on making money. They're so focused on the things of this world. But at the end of the day, all of it's going to burn. All of it is not going to be relevant. It's not going to carry on into eternity. And so therefore, we've got to make sure that we're living with eternity in mind. Okay? All right. So since we covered that last week, let me move on beyond that. About a fresh anointing on our lives. So the, what I'm going to deal with tonight is I'm going to deal with your home. I'm going to talk about some things maybe that hasn't been talked about before, maybe some things you haven't heard before. And some of you maybe have heard some of this, but I want you to give me your best ear because this is something that Satan just simply does not want preached, okay? And I know this could help a lot of people. But number one, as we anoint our lives... Can we shut that door, please? As we anoint our lives and anoint um, our homes, then our homes are set apart unto God, and the glory of the Lord can begin to come into our homes, okay? And it's important because the atmosphere of your home, as I'm dealing with this tonight, the atmosphere of your home is of huge importance, and it can affect pretty much every area of your life. So the first thing I want to say is, is that we need to have a fresh anointing on our lives. Many people have talked about how God touched them years ago in revival. They got touched by God and they've lived on that old anointing for years, but yet they don't have a fresh anointing on their lives today. And how do you guys know that we need a fresh touch from the Lord now? Okay, you can't live on yesterday's oil. And I'm saying that because... The anointing needs to be fresh on our lives and fresh in our homes and fresh in our ministries now. And we have to pursue that fresh anointing. Are y'all hearing me? This, this might very well be one of the more important sermons I've preached in a long time. Because a lot of people get caught up with yesterday's oil. They get caught up with things that have happened in the past. And if you're not careful, you'll become a yesterday person. And all you ever talk about is what happened yesterday instead of seeing the power of God come down now. And we need a fresh anointing on our lives now. We need a fresh anointing on our ministry. And we need a fresh anointing in our homes now. And I know that I've taught on this in years past. And so I know there are certain people that may be familiar with this. But don't fall under the deception that you're not going to learn something today. All right? Because there's things you haven't heard. There's things that you don't know yet. And as God begins to show you some new things, this will really impact your life. I promise you. Go back over this information. But the Bible talks about in Psalms 92 verse 10, but you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, and I have been anointed with fresh oil. The exalting of the horn that has to do with God raising you up in spiritual authority, that you go to a new level of spiritual authority because of a fresh anointing on your life. There was a time when I ministered um, among this group. It was kind of like a teen challenge situation. There's a lot of young people there, and they had come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of broken homes. And God really gave me a fresh anointing for that time. And there was a lot of, a lot of healings, a lot of deliverances, a lot of baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was a great move of God. It was wonderful. But that was then, this is now. I need a fresh anointing on my life now for what God's doing now. And I want fresh oil in my home. 
fresh anointing. Now, I'll tell you something about the anointing. Both the anointing and the glory, they're two completely different things, although they work together. Both the anointing and the glory can get into objects. And this is interesting because the Apostle Paul, when he was in the book of Acts and he was ministering, the Bible says that handkerchiefs and aprons and these different cloths, that they came in contact with him or he prayed over them or whatever. But the anointing that he was functioning under during that great revival we read about in Acts chapter 19 and the glory of the Lord that was present in those meetings got into these garments and whenever people took them out and they laid them upon the sick, the sick were healed. When they laid them on the demonized, demons left. And even when you read about Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus went up there with um, Peter, James, and John, but it says that even his garments changed in the glory. So what I'm trying to get at is this, both the anointing and the glory of the Lord can settle in this and soak into people's walls of their homes. It can soak into the soil of your land, and there can be a fresh anointing and a glory of the Lord in your dwelling. But we need that fresh touch from the Lord. I do not want to ever live on yesterday's anointing. I think about this every day. I want a fresh anointing for today. In Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, it talks about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. But Israel, it says if Israel was in disobedience, it says that the tree would cast its fruit prematurely, meaning that the very olive trees, listen, Israel depended on those olive trees. Those olives had to be plucked and they had to be crushed and that oil had to come so that they could even do temple ministry. So they were dependent on that oil so that they could go in and light the menorah. They could anoint the priesthood. They had to have oil. And so the oil was also made up of their economy. Even to this day, probably one, in my opinion, probably one of the greater exploits coming out of Israel is people buying anointing oil from all over the world from Israel. But for Israel... To have that oil, the Bible said that they, they needed to be living right. Because as they obeyed the Bible, God's blessing was on their trees and everything else to where it would not cast its fruit prematurely. And if it did cast its fruit prematurely, then they would not have what they needed. So it was a sowing and reaping. If they did right, God blessed the olives. And when God blessed the olives, then they were able to go into the temple and do temple ministry in the presence of God. And then because of the temple ministry, they could come back and make things right with God. Does this make sense? It was like a cycle of blessing that they were supposed to be living in. But here's what I'm trying to get at. For us to have a fresh anointing on our lives, we need to make sure that everything in our lives is lining up with what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be living. If you know things are not right in your home, and you know things are not right in your life, and you're not going to deal with it, you're just going to try to sweep it under a rug and ignore it, the, the tree will begin to cast its fruit prematurely, and you'll find that the oil is drying up, and you're not having that fresh anointing like you need on your life. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 13, it says that you'll ride on the heights of the land and siphon or suck oil and honey from the rock. It's an interesting scripture. But let me tell you about this scripture. Riding on the heights of the land had to do with being the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom. It had to do where God was raising you up and promoting you and exalting you. And this came because of being right with God. Is this making sense? You had to be right with him. And then there was promotion. And 
Deuteronomy 32, verse 13, the, the scripture that comes to mind to me, though, is about this. You know, I'm talking about your home and the atmosphere of your home. One of the things that's really stuck out to me personally is having um, in our family, having a day that we set apart unto the Lord, like a Sabbath day together, and we rest in the Lord and rest in Him. And you know, I was thinking about this. There was a time in our country that our country was so inundated and so um, deeply rooted in our Christian heritage. I mean, it's so deep in this nation. I remember watching, you guys ever seen Andy Griffith, old old show? Yeah. I like Barney. He cracks me up, right? Well, anyway, I was watching one of these old Andy Griffiths, and this was in the 60s. I would guess the show was made probably in 63, 64. But in the show, you know, they're all going to church, and they're all coming home from church, and they're all wishing each other to have a happy Sabbath. And it was just so open. I mean, they would sing hymns. Are y'all following me? This was a mainline television show in our nation. This is how entrenched our nation has always been in Christian heritage. That this was so common that it was on one of the, the most popular television shows of that time that everybody was going to church, everybody was coming home from church, and everybody was wishing each other a happy Sabbath. I remember growing up, and um, everybody just kind of understood that you had a day that you gave to the Lord. I remember this preacher that I really love and respect telling his son, he told him, now listen, son, if you, if you honor God and you won't get a job that makes you work on the Sabbath day, but rather you'll rest and you'll honor God and not do that, and you'll have that day and you'll take your family to church and all that, he said, I believe God will bless you with a really good job one day. And his son listened to him, and to this day, that son still has that really good job God gave him. This was back in, I think, the 90s, whenever he told him this. And he's grown, has children, and has an excellent job. But it was just understood. It's not a legalistic, it's not a religious thing. Now, because of the, um, during our Reformation in 1517 with Martin Luther and others, our Protestant reformers, they were so anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, I would say that they might have even had a hatred for Jews, honestly, just reading what they had to say. They got it from the Catholic Church, but there was such a deep, entrenched, anti-thing against Israel that that, like a leaven, worked its way into the church. And to this day, you can't talk about something like this without people bucking a little bit because, well, you're coming under the law or you're being this or that. It's, very, it's an anti-Semitic spirit that's very strong in the church. And it goes back to our founding uh, Protestant reformers. But so let me make this real clear because you have to do this because the way people are. But something like that has nothing to do with your salvation. It doesn't have to do with you being um, right or not right, going to heaven, going to hell, any of that. I'm not talking about any of that. But I believe that if people will give a day to the Lord, I believe that there will be a blessing from God on your life. In Isaiah 58, I think it's around maybe 13 to 17 in those verses somewhere. But Isaiah 58, it talks about how those that would keep a Sabbath day, he said, I will cause you to know the joy of the Lord. I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land, and I will cause you to feast on the inheritance of Jacob. Those are some powerful promises. So knowing the joy of the Lord is that you enjoy life, you enjoy your family, 
and that there's a joy throughout your home. And the riding on the heights of the land is that you're the head, not the tail, the top and not the bottom. And feasting on the inheritance of Jacob is that God blesses you with prosperity and abundance, that you have more than enough, okay? And so these are the things that I really felt as I was reading over this. I felt that the Lord wanted me to point out that riding on the heights of the land, um, there was a promise there for those that would keep the Sabbath. And one of the things I've really felt, for my family anyway, is that as we've kept a day where we sit beside a day and said, Lord, we just want to honor you today. We want to rest. We want to spend time together. We want to spend time with you and just have a Sabbath day to the Lord. As we've done that, I have felt like there's been an open heaven and God's presence increase. And I would say, and I believe that my wife and daughter would agree with me, but I would say that we really bonded together as a family. There was some kind of a blessing on that from the Lord. I'm not saying you have to do it to be saved. I'm not saying it's going to make you go to heaven or miss heaven. But I am saying I believe that there's blessings on it when you do that. And so here it says, riding on the heights of the land and sucking oil from the rock, that there's, there's certain things that you can do that will bring blessings on your life. And you guys know enough now from me teaching on this long enough that I really believe that as we honor these times, these, uh, these feast times, it's just simply as you do this, there's something that seems to open up and a blessing that comes. There's a presence of God that comes. There's something showering down during these times. And what people have to understand is that the Sabbath is actually one of those feast days. It is a day that is to meet with the Lord. Is this making sense? So if you'll honor God in that way, I believe that there will be a glory begin to come into your home. And just like it says here to, to siphon oil from the rock, that there will be a fresh anointing that will come. And then Job 29, 6, wash my steps with butter, poured out oil, rivers of oil. Washing your steps with butter is figurative. Now we all know that when you have cream, that is you churn that cream, that that cream will turn into butter, okay? And so what happens is, what's the Bible described as? The Bible's described as milk and as meat. The milk is the baby food. All right, so as you begin to know God's word and the promises of God's word, it's like that milk and that cream, and that begins to churn in you. And you begin to meditate on the word of God, and you get in the word of God. It keeps churning in you. And it's like washing your steps with butter. And he said, if you'll do that, that the, there'll be poured out rivers of oil that will come, okay? So as you get into the Word of God and deepen your life in the Word. Is this all making sense tonight? All right. And the oil comes through crushing. As you begin to pursue the Lord, there's going to have to be in all of our lives a crushing that will really break through the things in us that are hardened or that are um, not the way God wants them to be. And as that crushing comes, that's when the oil begins to flow in an awesome way. So Isaiah 61, we really need the Spirit of the Lord to be upon us, don't we? We need a fresh anointing to be able to do what God's called us to do. And Jesus did not begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he told the early church, I'm going to the Father, but you wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God come upon you. Luke 24, 49, until you're clothed with power. Don't start your ministry until there's a clothing of power. And Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted this in Luke 18, but he says, um, or Luke 4, 18, sorry. says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted or the poor. He, he has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom uh, to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to get, uh, giving them a garland, of, uh, that's talking about praise instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting or heaviness, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he may be glorified. Then he will rebuild. Let me go back and read this. To grant those who mourn. Okay, there's people as intercessors. You're getting under that burden and you're beginning to groan and travail and cry out for souls and you're, you're grieved at the way things are. And you know that there's more. And the Lord said, I will give them a garland instead of ashes. That there's an oil of joy instead of mourning. There's a garment, a mantle of praise instead of that heaviness. This all comes because of the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to see that happen. Then you will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair ruined cities and desolations of many generations. There's, there's areas geographically that have been just totally decimated by Satan. But when you have an anointing from the Lord, you can see these areas restored. Not just in people, but even in geographic regions. And I'll tell you what, when you come in, when a minister comes in with a fresh anointing on their life, that right there will cause that there will be beauty for ashes. There will be joy instead of mourning that will break out. There will be praise instead of heaviness. You hear me? It breaks through that stuff. But it takes a fresh anointing. And I want a fresh anointing on my life that God can use me, and I'm sure you feel the same way, to help see the devastations, how Satan has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's destroyed people's lives. He's destroyed their families. He's even destroyed cities. I'm talking about geographic areas. And under a mighty anointing, God can use us to help rebuild and receive restored what Satan has tried to destroy. But it takes that fresh anointing to do that. And that many times is why things are uh, suppressed. They're, they're, they're um, heavy and it's hard. It's because Satan is trying to oppress. But when we get that fresh anointing on our lives, it helps to break off that. That's why sometimes I see people come in and I can sense it that there's kind of a heaviness. And, and people will come in and they'll, they'll be just worshiping, but they're not really into it and they're, they're there. But you can tell there's just something heavy. But then it's like, all right, let's press in. And then we begin to go after God. And that fresh anointing that's on River of Life begins to just come forth. And all of a sudden that heaviness breaks. And people what? The oil of joy instead of mourning. There's a garment of praise instead of heaviness. People are breaking out of that old and coming into something fresh. And I remember, and I've always had a heart for this, back in the days of the Brownsville Revival, you know, there wasn't anything going on around here to speak of, of revival in this area, really. We just had visitations that were very short-lived. But I used to go there as much as I could. And, and any time, there was just kind of be maybe a heavy time in life here, and I would go there, and because of that fresh anointing, it just seemed like there was joy. It seemed like any heaviness was broken, there was praise. It just seemed like any yoke was broke. We need a fresh anointing. 
We need a fresh anointing on our lives. We need a fresh anointing on our families. And we need a fresh anointing in our homes. You need a fresh oil in your home. We can go through and anoint everything, and that's good. But you need the real oil of the Spirit of God to come in, though. You need a fresh anointing in your home. I'll tell you something. Where there's a fresh anointing from the Lord, yokes will be destroyed. You know why many times there's um, different churches and ministries that maybe used to have a move of God back in the day, but they don't now? And you'll see that people come in week in and week out, and they never really get free. They're in bondages. Um, they're oppressed. And if they would just begin to pray again, if the, if the church would rebuild the altar. You remember Elijah rebuilt the altar that Jezebel tore down? If the church would just rebuild that altar of prayer, and they would really begin to consecrate themselves and pray again, there could be a fresh visitation from the Lord. And that heaviness that's oppressing the people would be broken off. It's broken through a fresh anointing. But we have to come through that blood cleansing where the Lord washes us and cleanses us once again. Things that maybe people have permitted, compromise, whatever, that there's a washing of the blood of Jesus. And then that will cause the oil to start coming. But let me just tell you quickly and move on from this. Don't be surprised when there's a fresh anointing and when the glory of the Lord begins to come. Don't be surprised if there's also a satanic attack. Because the devil will not sit back. Those are the greatest threats to Satan's kingdom. Are y'all hearing me? Some of the greatest threats to the devil's kingdom across the world is a fresh anointing on people and the glory of God's presence coming down. And I've always had a heart, as far back as I can remember in River of Life, to always make room for God to touch people with a fresh anointing. Now, y'all know me. How many services have I not prayed for people? I've always gone back as far as I can remember, always tried to pray for people because I know that all of us need a fresh anointing today. And I remember, you know, as I pray during the week, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, let me just soak in your presence, give me a fresh anointing so that when I come, there's a fresh anointing in the house so that everybody else can get a fresh anointing. But this needs to go back into our homes where this fresh anointing God's releasing tonight in River of Life. There's something fresh on tonight. That this will go back into our homes and begin to soak into the atmosphere of that home. I remember when my wife and I went um, in 2005, we went down to Brownsville and I realized that by that time Steve had left in 2000 and Lindell and Brother Kilpatrick left in 2003. But there was a man there, I really loved his ministry, Randy Feltshaw was pastoring there at the time, but God would still move him. And I think we went on a Friday night, I could be mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was a Friday night and a Saturday we went. But there was still a fresh move of the Spirit going on at Brownsville, and I remember Randy prayed over us, but I'll never forget the prayer he prayed, as this was interesting. Listen to these words, because we were ministers and he wanted to pray for us for the ministry, and he said over us, he said, may all this anointing and what God's been doing that is soaked in these walls over all these years, may that soak into you, even down into your bones like Elisha, that there'll be a bone-soaking anointing. Do you remember that story about Elisha? That even after he was dead and his bones were in the grave, somebody fell on those bones and was resurrected. Remember that? 
And man, I mean to tell you, I felt that. But listen to what he said. May that the anointing, what has soaked into these walls over these years. He understood that the anointing and the glory can soak into an atmosphere of a geographic location. I even remember um, a pastor was saying that he went down to Cane Ridge, Kentucky, where they had that great Cane Ridge revival in around 1800. And it was such a holy visitation. I mean, the power of God just exploded there. And he said when he went there, and he was just walking through, this was probably maybe 10 years ago he went there. And this revival took place in like 1800, 1805, okay? So that's quite a while back. Wouldn't you say it was a long time ago? Well, he was walking around in Cambridge where that revival took place, and he said he was standing there, and he literally felt like fire shoot up from the ground up his legs. He said, friend, he said, listen, there, there, there is a powerful um, anointing that is still there. Something has soaked into the soil of that location. Y'all hearing me? I believe here in this place, as we've had services over and over and over in this place, there's something that is soaked into uh, the walls here. It's soaked into the ground. It's his holy ground. You can come here anytime on your own and pray, and you feel that there's something here. As we have services over and over, there's an anointing, but there's also a glory. The anointing is the oil of the Spirit of God. The empowerment has to do with power. The explosive, the power of God in Greek is the word dunamis. Where we get the word dynamite, it's explosive, the power of God. But the glory of the Lord is the Hebrew word chabad, which is a weighty, thick presence. And we need this anointing and we need this glory in our homes. All right, so let me shift gears. And I'm going to tell you a story. And then we'll get into some other little things I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to have to move quickly, so bear with me, okay? Now, I'm going to tell this story. The story is a little bit creepy, but I, it, you know, it'll make the point, all right? <clears throat> all right, there's a pastor theologian by the name of Robert Cornwall, okay? Now, I'm just going to tell you this story. So here we go, and I'm going to make a point about... Um, are the reason why homes and such may need to be really cleansed. All right, Pastor Cornwall, everybody ready? Was also a great storyteller. And he could, as he told these stories, it says really captivated people. But he had a way of, of bringing theological questions and all that into this. But he was telling this story about the first church he pastored. How many of you guys would like this to happen in the very first church you pastor. Let me tell the story. Just keep that in mind. In a little sleepy town near the Oregon coast, as described, as described by Cornwall himself at Redwood Family Camp Meeting in the 70s, he had barely settled into leadership at the church when strange things began to happen for which there was no explanation. Objects in the building seemed to move around on their own, especially at night when the building was supposed to be unoccupied. He would hear the piano playing and then go into the sanctuary to find nobody in there. Doors would slam. Pews would be discovered positioned backward against a wall. His notes would disappear, then reappear. Members in the church, remember this is his first church. <laughs> it's like, introduction, welcome to spiritual warfare, sir. 
Stuff they don't teach you in Bible school. Let me just say, I love Bible school, but you, you don't learn hardly anything that you really need to know from my experience. All right, members of this church reported similar phenomena. Cornwall eventually learned that the activity had been going on for years. One night, hours had gone, um, after he had gone to bed, Cornwall's telephone rang and the police chief, police chief was on the other end of the line. He wanted to know what kind of party that Cornwall was having at the church. And he said, what are you talking about a party? He said, well, neighbors are calling. They say that it's so loud they can't sleep. We thought maybe the youth group was having an overnight lock-in or something, and it got out of hand. Assuring the officer that nobody was supposed to be in the building, Cornwall agreed to meet him at the church. On arrival, they noticed that the lights inside the auditorium were flicking on and off. The piano was banging loudly. Um, and what sounded like shouting of some kind could be heard throughout the edifice. The officer drew his sidearm while Cornwall unlocked the front door. They pushed through the entrance. All the activity inside the facility abruptly stopped. The lights were still on, but the noises had suddenly just gone, disappeared. Cornwall moved through the building with the officer and found every entryway locked. There was no signs of a break-in. This experience was documented in the police report, which at that time Cornwall was happy to let us confirm with the chief along with other unexplained events. Together with his board members and ministry team, Cornwall began a series of special prayers over the building and what today some might call cleansing prayers. And they began to purge the uh, church from any type of malevolent spirits or anything like that. All right, let me skip down to some of this. All right, but anyway, he said that they couldn't understand why when members were at the church and inside the building and praying, it seemed like the phenomenon totally stopped, but as soon as they would leave the building, it would start up again when nobody was there. This went on sporadically for some time until one day the chief of police, now a member of that church, called Cornwall and asked him if he would meet him downtown at the police department saying he had found something important and wanted to show him. Arriving on schedule, Cornwall was handed this envelope that contained a copy of the, of the original church deed. One of these records was very enlightening. It revealed that the structure, which was nearly a hundred years old, had been boarded up for over a decade before the organization Cornwall was a member of purchased it and turned it into a church. Had originally been constructed, listen to this, by an occult group as a meeting place for their order. It had been dedicated. Now, this was the first owner. The very first owner was this occult group. It had been dedicated, listen to this, it had been dedicated as a residence for, quote, spirits of Lucifer as they moved to and fro upon the earth. Cornwall was shocked. The document had legalese. It was written, you know what I'm talking about, the legalese. It was written in a very um, professional manner. But it was the first title deed provided for the lodging of satanic spirits by this group. Equally disturbing, the experiences at the church suggested that demons were operating on some, some kind of legal claim there because they would go there and pray and everything would clear up and then they would leave and it'd be right back. So there had to be some kind of reason this was going on. So as soon as possible, a new church was erected across the street from the old one and the old one was torn down, asphalt laid as a parking lot poured over it and from that day forward, the activity stopped. So this poses the question, 
of sometimes why places need to be spiritually cleansed. They can be defiled. I remember this one story of a family, a true story document. They, they had moved into a home, and they had been a happy family. Everything was fine. But man, it was like once they moved in this home, all kinds of just demonic um, hell started breaking forth. They, there was uh, fighting, health problems, all kinds of things going on. And they began to cry out to God what the problem was, and the husband was really seeking God and praying about it because it was so tormenting. And he was down in the basement area, which was carpeted. It was a really nice house. And he was walking in there praying. This had been going on for some time, and he was just very upset about it. He didn't know what to do. They would pray, but it seemed like nothing changed. He's down there walking, and as he got in the center of the room, he kept feeling something not right. And it went on enough to where he thought maybe something was there. And he had the carpet cut and pulled up. And in the cement of the foundation, remember he's down in the basement there, in the cement, I'm talking about the actual foundation of the home, there was a beautifully carved pentagram in the cement. I'm talking about a pentagram with the goat head, the works. <clears throat> and obviously... Somebody had owned that home before that built that home that was deeply involved in something, Satanism, the occult, or whatever. And he was thinking to himself how much trouble it would be to try to cut out this block of cement and have it replaced. And then you have to think if they went through the trouble of doing that, I mean, are there things embedded in the walls? Is there things buried on the property? And what are we dealing with here? So they just decided they were going to sell the house and move, and they did. And once they moved and went to another home, it cleared up. So it was obviously something with that home. There was another story of a family that it went, um, I think maybe somebody gave them this as a gift. But somebody went like a relative and brought back a gift from, um, I believe it was Mexico or South America. And it looked like just a normal statue, but you have to understand that the Things like Santeria and other stuff is in these regions. So they were given this statue, this figurine. And once it got into the home, they didn't really connect the dots for a while. But again, all kinds of stuff started happening in the home. I mean, they started having um, people getting sick, strife, all kinds of problems started breaking out in the home. They didn't know what to do. They were frustrated. They were really praying. And they got so desperate that they had... Uh, they were doing prayer and fasting, okay? And they were on their face really seeking God about it, crying out to him, please show us what the problem is, help us. And they say they heard a loud crash that that statue on its own fell and shattered into a million pieces. They swept it up and took it off the property. And they said after that statue was removed, they no longer had problems. So God obviously answered their prayer and had an angel go over there and just tip that thing over and make sure it shattered for them. So what I'm trying to get at is, is that we need to be aware of these sort of things, okay? That this can go on. And I know that there are certain things that really defile a land and defile homes. And so you want to spiritually cleanse your property. And I have in here a sheet that I gave you guys, those that are listening to this through maybe podcast or sermon.net. Um, if, you, if you'll download the actual 
PDF file that's with this, my wife and I put together a little, it's not really a teaching, but just kind of walk people through cleansing and blessing and dedicating their home unto God. But I want you guys to think about something. I'm saying these stories just to put thoughts in your mind right now. But how many of you guys know when you go stay in a hotel room and there's just a revolving door in these rooms, there's no, there, there's no type of screening or anything, in the very bed that, that we're sleeping in, there was most likely people that had um, sexual activity that was not right with God in that bed. There's no telling what has been watched and what's been done in that room. And it would be advantageous, to say the least, that we pray over that room that it be cleansed of anything that's not of God and command anything out of the room that's not of God and pray over it to seal that thing off where it will become a dwelling place for God. Now, in the stories I told, these people felt it was necessary to leave in that church and then leave that home with the pentagram. And there may be extreme cases where that is the case. But I want to tell you something, that the blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse anything. I don't care what Satan, you know, the blood of Jesus has, has the power to cleanse all the land, all the home, and everything else. Now, there may, may be extreme cases where it's just better to walk away, and I understand that. But I don't want to minimize what I'm saying because I believe that what Jesus did at Calvary was so thorough and so powerful that there's no reason why that we can't cleanse that land and cleanse that home and get it sealed off where it's a holy dwelling for God, okay? All right. So what you want to do when you're dealing with cleansing land is, number one, you want to make sure you go through and remove anything that needs to go. And don't assume, some of you have maybe heard this before and you think, okay, I'll just fold this up and put this away. I encourage you to revisit this in your mind and read back over these notes because it may have been years since you've thought about this. But I remember preaching on this and my parents heard this and they began, I told everybody, please go through, really pray about this. Go in your attic, go in your basement, go in your closet, go through uh, the different drawers that are in your home and look. Because there may be things that go back to your past that you don't even remember. And you know what? They found in a jewelry box a Freemasonic ring that passed down my mother's side of the family down because they were really involved in masonry that was in that home. And that's not something you want in your home. And so, of course, Dad destroyed it and threw it away and got rid of it. But the point is, if they hadn't looked, they wouldn't have found it. So go pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit. First thing you want to do is just go through and make sure... There's not anything satanic. There's not pentagrams. There's not anything that goes back to witchcraft, divination, sorcery, Freemasonry materials. Maybe things that people gave you that came down the family line like this ring that just doesn't need to be in your home. Because these things act like a lightning rod that draws satanic activity into that home. So make sure you cleanse it. Cleanse it from anything pornographic, anything that's lustful, anything that's sexually unclean, things that were maybe bought places like that that were brought into a home. And maybe you've tucked that stuff away and you forgot about it, but it's still there. It needs to be removed. And don't just throw it away in a way that somebody else can find it. Destroy it. Burn it. Okay? Destroy it to where it it's not going to be able to fall into other people's hands. If you have things that are connected to Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, different satanic religions like Islam or whatever, get all that stuff out of your home. 
Also, if there's um, things that bring bondage, maybe like drugs or alcohol or tobacco, things that enslave people, make sure and get all that out as well. The next thing you need to do, and this is a big one, is you need to repent before the Lord for the sin uh, that's been in that home or on that land. And I want you to think about this. Even though maybe you're on land, that maybe you bought the land and you built a home there. and you bought, Well, nobody's lived here before, but that doesn't mean that nothing has ever happened on that land a long time ago. I want you to think about it. Was there any type of... See, in the Bible, when it talks about the blood of Cain... Remember how Cain killed Abel? And the Lord said, The blood of your brother Abel cries out from the land to me. And I'm going to tell you, with all the bloodshed that's out there and all the abortions that's out there and how much land is defiled by innocent blood right now, it would be advantageous for all of us to say, Lord, I ask your forgiveness for any bloodshed that's been on this land or in this home as you cleanse and wash. And anything to do, the big ones, I would say the big ones, in the list it covers everything, but you want to renounce anything to do with the occult, number one. Number two, you want to renounce anything sexually immoral. And number three, you want to ask forgiveness and renounce any breaking of vows. That brings a curse. When people stand up, for example, and they make wedding vows to one another and then they break those vows, it affects that family bloodline until somebody gets in there in the blood. It brings a, a curse. I'm just telling you. Breaking vows is serious to God. And what type of maybe covenants or vows or oaths or things that were made that were broken there in that home? And another one is, of course, the bloodshed. If there's been anything. That's why you hear about this, this stuff. You hear about these um, activities where maybe there was a murder that took place in a home. And now they feel like the home is haunted and weird stuff's going on. How many of you knows whenever we die, we're either going to go to be um, with Jesus in heaven or we're going to go be with the devil in hell. You're not going to roam the earth rattling chains and freaking people out. It's not going to happen. But there are demons that do that. And the Bible talks about familiar spirits that, listen to me, are familiar with family bloodlines. They're familiar with a house. They're familiar with a family that was in that house where maybe there was a murder. And those familiar spirits are there because there was a innocent blood that was shed. And you need to ask forgiveness for whatever's happened and then drive that out. And you can. Another thing you want to do, I'll, I'll revisit this, but it's in the notes. If you want to just read over this. It leads you through, Lord, ask forgiveness and renounce, and it covers pretty much everything. But the shedding of innocent blood was so serious in defiling a land in the Old Testament that if they, listen to me, if there was a man that was dead on the edge of a city and nobody knew who killed him, God required the elders of that city to go out there with an animal, like a, a young bull. <clears throat> they had to sacrifice that. They had to wash their hands with water before the Lord and say, Lord, we have no knowledge <clears throat> of how this man died and we ask your forgiveness for this innocent blood. That's how serious God took that, that they had to go through all that trouble to make sure that that city was forgiven for the shedding of that innocent blood. Doesn't this concern anybody as I'm talking about this, about how prevalent abortion is in our nation? 
This is how serious God takes the shedding of innocent blood. It even affects, when people have an abortion, they don't realize that as they murder and they shed that innocent blood, that they're staining their family line with innocent blood. That their children and their grandchildren are going to be affected until somebody accepts Jesus as their Savior and says, Lord, forgive us for that bloodshed. Wash that all away. Let us, and then they can be free. But until somebody does that, they're affected by it. Well, anyway, so cleansing the land. But then here's something else. There's a pastor I sat under. I really love his ministry, and he was a spiritual father to Sandy. But he was telling me about marking off property. And he said back in the 90s, God had really led him to do um, a series of sermons where he was exposing back at that time. Because, you know, back in the 80s, this Satanism really started emerge out if you guys remember this but it began to be talked about and there's a lot of satanic criminal activity going on and and so he was coming into the early 90s and he he really felt the lord lead him to have something at the church that was exposing this and there was actually it was so well known in the city that there was actually law enforcement were attending and they had a really good christian speaker coming in. it was really actually very good but he said once he began exposing the devil like that He said, man, it was just like all kinds of spiritual hell broke loose. He said he was getting strange phone calls. All this weird stuff was going on. But he said that there was a van that drove up one night, and this group was there, and they were trying to put a curse on the church. Anyway, and a lot of other weird stuff was happening. I don't want to get into it, but a lot of weird stuff was happening, okay? So he was asking the Lord, Lord, I felt you lead me to do this. Now, you know, we've got to get the victory here. And God told him, he said, I want, this is what the Lord told him to do. He said, I want you to walk this property. And he said, he told him to to buy like some wooden stakes to mark the property. He said, I want you to walk the four corners. And I want you to put these stakes in the ground around the four corners of this property. And you claim this land for the blood of Jesus Christ. And that nothing of the devil is allowed back on her. He said he did that and it stopped. It just sealed it right there. So there is something about marking the land for the kingdom of God. And that really, in my opinion, is what a mezuzah even is. It's just an outward physical thing that says this is dedicated to God. This is holy ground. This is off limits to the devil. So, you know, people that want to have a mezuzah, I mean, I think that that's great. But it's just an outward sign of a home that's dedicated to God. Um, You need to pray a dedication and you need to speak blessings. But this cleansing the land walks you through this, about going through the land and praying over it and and sealing it off. One of the things I've learned from studying the deliverance ministry from other deliverance ministry teachers is the power of communion. And how many knows that there's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus? There's just not. I mean, every demon is scared. When you start talking about the blood, hell begins to tremble. That's just the truth. And so they were saying, I read this and I really bore witness and I began to do it and I noticed a big change, was as you begin to take communion in your home and you begin to pray the blood over your property and as you're sealing it off, they were saying that they had some homes that were really oppressed and there was actually a couple times that I could say that that was the same when we had to pray at homes too, that they were really oppressed. But they said once they took communion, and they would take maybe some kind of a spade and just kind of cut open the land. And they would put maybe some of that bread and pour out that juice on that land and say, Lord, 
we apply the body and blood of Jesus to this land, that it is now under the sovereignty of the blood of Jesus, they said it just broke. It just like whatever oppression was there shattered. Because once they applied the blood, are y'all hearing me? Once they applied the blood, it's just an act of faith. But once the blood comes, it breaks the power of the devil. And I've talked about this before. And there was somebody that gave me a testimony in this church where they said that they had prayed over their home and that it seemed kind of still heavy and there was still something going on. But they said they stood in their backyard and they were praying and they took communion and they took that juice and they said, Lord, we apply the blood to the land. And as they did that and that juice hit that land, they said they felt it was like an explosion in the spirit realm. It just broke the power of that. So the blood... And what did God show the children of Israel? Put the blood on the doorpost. This is the same pattern. It's bringing your dwelling under the blood. All right. And the last couple things I would say is this. Powerful worship and things that bring the glory into your home. I was recording. I'll give you just an example. I was a friend of mine, a pastor had a whole bunch of old videos from back in the Brownsville Revival. And I had a bunch too. And I had a setup at that time where you could take those old VCR tapes. Do you all even remember VCR tapes? Okay, I just wonder how old I am. Ed remembers eight tracks, but let's just go on. All right. Anyway, as they, were putting, <laughs> as they were putting these VCR tapes in, as I was doing this, I had a setup to where it could record the VCR onto the computer and then you could transfer it to a DVD. So I told him I'd be happy to do it for him. And that if he would give me his videos, I would give him mine. And we would just both have DVDs of all of it. So it was a mutual, ed- mutual edification here, all right? So as I was doing this, though, I remember that I had a lot of other things to be doing. But man, some of those services, they'd be playing up there. And I would feel the power of God coming into that home from those services. And I would just sit there just shaking my head like... Is, this is unbelievable. But there's something about these, these um, like for example, people that play the services from River of Life in their home have told me they felt the glory of God coming in that home. And I remember um, Brother Zach is having to be back there, but I remember him and Wendy when they first had Judah, they had to stay home for a little bit and they were watching the services at their house. I remember coming in their house and I felt the same glory fire at their house and their living room that I feel here. Why? Because that glory moved into the home. So what I'm saying is take advantage of this and play some really anointed stuff in your home. Maybe when you go to bed at night, put something on like that and say, Lord, let the atmosphere of heaven invade this home. And as you do that, I believe the glory will come in. Another thing is, and I mentioned the Sabbath earlier, but these times, listen, I, I don't want to rabbit trail on it, but there's something about the Sabbath and there's something about these feast times that I've preached on. I don't know that I fully understand it, but the Lord said, I will meet with you on these days. I will visit with my people on these days. Are y'all hearing me? I will visit with you. There's something about these times that as people set them apart, that the heavens open and y'all have experienced it in River of Life enough to know I'm telling you the truth. It's like a few Saturdays ago when Brother Rick was here and left that Saturday. See, we were having that Pentecost time. There's something about an open heaven and the glory of the Lord coming in during these times. It's very powerful. And in your home, if you want to, you certainly don't have to. But if you want to set apart these times and maybe do something special during, uh, for example, like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or the uh, Tabernacles time or Passover, maybe have a Passover meal 
together as a family or, or Pentecost. As you do this, there's something about these times that it's special that there's an open heaven and the glory comes. And I heard Kurt Landry talking about that at um, Church of His Presence with John Kilpatrick. And, of course, Brother John understood this. I, and that had a lot to do with Brownsville. Because Dick Rubin came and talked about these things to Brownsville. They embraced it. And both of them said it had a lot to do with that revival. But when Kurt came and spoke at Church of His Presence, he said, during these feast times, he said it's a way of purging the gates, purging the heavens over. Y'all hear me? Purging the skies over above your head to thin out those heavens above there's something about these times and i believe that to be true so i'm saying as a family if you begin to celebrate these times together don't be surprised if there's not an open heaven and a glory begin to come into your home in an awesome way at least it has for us and it has for the church and the last thing i would say is the power of words did you know that words can be put on people and they can be put on a home. I know that may sound funny, but it's true. Words can be placed on. That's why sometimes when there's a powerful prophecy that's spoken and those words come out and then that person is hit by the power and collapses, that's why they're hit by the power and collapses is because God is putting that prophecy on their life. Those words are being placed on their life. Are y'all hearing me? Blessings also can be placed on people. Blessings are spoken out of our mouths, but they can be placed on people. They can be placed on a home. Man, y'all are quiet. First Timothy 1.18, This command I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made for you, that by them you may fight a good fight. You know, when prophecies have been placed on our lives... We need to recount those prophecies and because of those prophecies we need to start speaking those prophecies and praying into those prophecies until they happen because we're fighting a good fight as we're standing in faith for those things to be fulfilled. But I'm telling you that you can pray. Listen, I'll try to explain this quickly but there's been a generational blessing on my life because of, you know, obviously my parents walk with God, my walk with God, there's a generational blessing. And many times when I'm praying, especially for young people, I realize that a lot of these young people don't come from Christian homes and they don't have any type of a blessing. And many, many, many times when I'm praying for them, I will pray this. I'll say, Lord, I confer the blessing, not just the anointing, but the blessing that you've allowed on my life, that that generational blessing will go into their life. And you should see the power of God hit these young people. Because there's a blessing that's being passed, not just the anointing. The anointing is incredibly important. Not just being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's important. But a transference of a blessing. And you can stand here and pray over a geographic location and those words come out of your mouth and they will go into that dwelling. They'll get into those walls. I don't know how, but it happens. Those words stamp that place. You're blessing it. You're putting a blessing on it. I've seen where people had to have some kind of a curse broken off of them. And it was like that thing was stuck on them. But once you prayed and broke it, you broke it off of them. Those words, that curse was there until it was removed. In the same way, a blessing will be there. Words can be imparted. They can be transferred. Prophecies are on people. 
Some of you have had powerful prophetic words. It didn't just go away. Somehow you're wearing those words right now as I'm talking to you. They're following you around. And when it's God's perfect timing, they will come to pass. Blessings that have been spoken on you here in River of Life. They don't just go away. They're on you. 10, 20 years from now, you're doing something else. Blessings that Pastor Scott spoke over you in 2015 is still stuck on you and things are happening in your life because of those words. Words of knowledge, that's why it's so powerful when people get up and they operate under the words of knowledge. There's somebody being healed of such and such. It's a word of knowledge. That word goes out of their mouth. What does the Bible say? I sent my word and healed them. That word goes out of their mouth, hits them, and then they're healed. Words have the power to go out into the atmosphere and they have the power to stick on a home, to stick on land, to stick into a church, and a place on people's lives. And those words will stay with that property and stay with those people. And some of the things I do every day, and I'm going to close with this. I'm hoping y'all really got a lot out of this today. But listen, I believe that God is wanting River of Life to make sure that your homes are cleansed. Don't be afraid. Please don't live by fear. Okay? One little bitty drop of the blood of Jesus defeats anything that's ever been in that home that's it there's nothing to be afraid of and the bible says greater is he that's in us than he's in the world the 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 most baby christian still has authority over the strongest demon that's just the way it is there's nothing to be afraid of it's just that we need to know these things and be aware of them so we can pray accordingly and so as we go through you want to make sure that your land and your home is cleansed real thoroughly and then as you do that, you can begin to mark that place off. You can begin to dedicate it to God. You can begin to consecrate it unto God. You can begin to apply the blood. You can begin to anoint it. Go through the rooms, anoint the mantle, or the doorpost of that room, begin to speak blessings. And those words coming out of your mouth don't just disappear. They don't just go out and then they're gone like they just float out of your home off somewhere. It doesn't happen. They stamp in that room. They stay there. They stick to the walls of that home and those words will make those things come to pass. I'm just telling you. And so as you begin to speak blessings into your home, it will shift the atmosphere. And here's something I do pretty much every day. I try to. Is I spend time with the Lord and pray. As I'm sitting there and I'm praying, I'm spending time and uh, just soaking His presence, talking to Him. I lift up my hands and I speak something like this into my home every day. I'll start out like this. I bless you, Lord, and thank you that you open the heavens over us. You pour out your rain on our land and season to bless the works of our hands. And the Bible says you bless my lying down and rising up. That's your home. Where is it that we lie down and rise up? That's your home. You bless our food and drink and remove sickness from our midst because we worship you only. We bless you, Lord. And here's what I speak. So therefore, I bless this home and this land and these vehicles. I've already gone through and cleansed it, staked it off. It's holy unto God, all right? So I bless this home that you're a sanctuary of rest, renewal, refreshing. You're a haven of God's awesome shalom, his manifest presence. You're a dwelling of joy and laughter and happiness. Unconditional love and acceptance are consistent in you. You're a place of sweet rest and pleasant dreams and the awesome anointing and glory and the atmosphere and the sounds of heaven. 
You're a place of rich, powerful prayer lives, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, revelation from the Lord's Word in His Spirit. You're a place of rare abundance and durable riches and prosperity and wealth. The anointing and the glory of the Lord are soaking into you in everything that we own and everything that we use. It's going to work better and last longer than it should. I bless that you're a place of healing and health. That just being in you causes divine health and an atmosphere of health. Relationships in you are blessed with unity, order, honor, and respect. They'll be wonderful, satisfying, fulfilling, and peaceful. You're a heavenly dwelling. Above and all around you is a hedge of protection, a wall of fire, and angels. Because the Bible says we're secret place dwellers. No plague, calamity, nor disaster will come near us nor our dwelling. So I bless you in Jesus' name. And I speak those words out every day. Not necessarily every day, but almost every day in my home. And so I also bless when I get into the vehicle. I try to do this every time that we get into a vehicle. My wife and I will start to take off. Here we go. I say, well, babe, let me bless the trip. As how many of you guys know that a lot of things can happen in a vehicle? A lot of things that aren't your fault can happen in a vehicle and so you really want the lord to bless your lying and rising but also bless your going and coming all right and so the bible says he will and so i always pray lord i bring the our vehicles and our travels and i always pray for all of river of life i'm doing it okay y'all are blessed lord i pray all of river of life our vehicles and travels bearing of the blood and that we're protected by the blood of jesus and then i'll begin to speak a blessing so, Lord, I bless these vehicles and these travels. The Lord bless and keep and protect you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and establish you in his shalom manifest presence. But I bless you that the atmosphere of our vehicles and travels be filled with the shalom of heaven and the awesome glory of the Lord. Everything we own and use will work better and last longer than it should. And the anointing and the glory of God soaks into it. The blessings of durable riches is on it. And because we tithe, the devourers rebuked. And I bless that the angels will go before us and clear our paths from any tickets or anything unfavorable. And sometimes they'll just pull you over to see what you're doing, right? Any, I bless you that accidents are going to be in road debris, going to be cleared out of our path. Any hate, anger, road rage, terrorism, violence, bloodshed be cleared out of our paths. The angels will cause us to have safe passage and that they will cause us to have peace and favor with everyone and victory over all of our enemies. The angels are above these vehicles and around them to take them safely wherever we go and keeping our steps and prospering our ways. I bless our vehicles and our travels now in the name of Jesus. And I do that every time I get in the vehicle. And because of that, whenever I'm doing these blessings, I feel the atmosphere changing. The atmosphere of heaven begins to invade. I'm putting these blessings on our vehicles. I'm putting it on our travels. I'm putting it into that home. And because of that, the very words that I've spoken have already come to pass. I used to speak a blessing that we would sleep in the glory. Now we've been doing that for a long time, but it started by me speaking a blessing. All right. So as we close this out, I wanted to deal with this because I wanted to make sure that people understood legal ground. And you understood that Satan's kingdom sometimes can have legal ground over a home or land until somebody comes in and cleanses that land. Once it's cleansed spiritually, their legal ground is gone. And then you being a Christian can dedicate, can consecrate that land unto God. And it becomes holy ground. It becomes a place where God's presence will dwell. You can drive away the demonic. And because you're there, now the glory of the Lord's there and there's angels 
that are stationed to watch over that property. Did you know once you dedicate and bless the land and it becomes holy ground, God can, if you'll ask him, and he will if you ask him, assign angels to watch over that property. It becomes under kingdom jurisdiction because you're there. When we come into a place, I was just reading about the nation. You remember how um, the children of Israel, Moses sent the 12 spies? You remember God told Abraham, everywhere the soles of your feet tread, I'll give you victory. Do you remember God told that to Joshua? And it was interesting because when it says in the Hebrew that they toured the land, that they spied out the land, it says that they were sent in there to untie the land in the Hebrew, untie, like you untie a shoe. And you're thinking, that is a very bizarre Hebrew word to use with them walking through the land. Until you start thinking about it this way. In the New Testament, the Bible says that we have authority to bind and loose in Matthew 16. Bind means what it sounds like. In the name of Jesus, I bind it. They're bound up. They're tied up. But loose means to destroy or untie. And we have authority in Christ to destroy the works of Satan and to untie things off people. Where Satan has had them bound, we come in and liberate. Does this make sense? Destroy off them. And I got to thinking about that, and I was realizing God had sent the children of Israel to go into Canaan and to liberate that land from the oppression there and to set up the kingdom of God. And when those spies were going through the land, even though they didn't probably realize what they were doing, everywhere the soles of their feet treaded, they were untying Satan's power over that land without even realizing they were doing it. Already God began to break down the strongholds. When you, you're the soles of your feet, begin to go into a home and land that you're going to purchase, even by you walking in there, you're already beginning to untie what was there before you got there just by you walking in there the kingdom of god is with you and as you begin to cleanse that land everything will be driven out and it will become holy ground if you'll do it like i'm telling you here where you'll really take time to cleanse the land don't just assume it happens because you live there you've got to take the time to do it but as you do it it will become holy ground all right